listening to another episode of the Beulah Girl podcast. For links, related resources, and even more encouragement, visit BeulahGirl.com. Hi, friend. Thanks so much for tuning in to the Beulah Girl podcast. I'm Carol Whitaker, your host. We are coming out of BeulahGirl.com. If you're not familiar with our site, if you've never listened to our podcast before, we have um, a site with full-length articles. You can jump on there. We'd love for you to follow us on social media or simply leave a comment under one of our articles. Or if you find after listening to this episode that you need to go back and you'd like to see some of the scripture references that are there, some of the article links I mentioned, or you just need a minute to process through some more of the information, then you can jump on BeulahGirl.com and the full length article is there. I'm so happy to be behind the mic again. It's been several months since I have recorded an episode. I took a quick break over the summer just to kind of refresh and rest a little bit and pray about what God wanted me to talk about this year. And this topic I'm talking about tonight is one that I very much felt needed to be discussed. But I want to just say right off the bat, it's not one that I am talking about because I feel like I have all the answers or know everything related to it. I feel like I'm still learning much in this area and I feel like I'm still on this journey. And the topic I'm going to be talking about tonight is as Christians, how should we view homosexuality? Again, it's not an easy topic. There are so many views and opinions regarding homosexuality and how we should view it within the Christian community and also without on the outside of the Christian community. So it is not an easy topic to talk about, but I very felt much felt like it was one I needed to talk about. And I'm very much in the learning journey with you. So I would love to, again, hear your comments if you'd like to share those with me or you know what your thoughts are after the podcast. Feel free to contact me or leave a comment um, underneath my article. The Supreme Court ruled same-sex marriage as constitutional. And after this ruling, I frequently saw on social media and other places, I frequently saw the phrase love wins. Maybe you too are familiar with this phrase, but it became very popular after gay marriage was legalized in our country. And the meaning behind the words is basically that love between two individuals, whether that be in a same-sex relationship or whether that be in a heterosexual relationship, that love is really the highest good that will always win out in the end. And such an idea or ideology sounds really good when we look at it initially, and it even looks like one that a loving God would support. But what exactly would the Bible say about such a phrase? If we look into the Bible and a biblical view of God's love, we very much see throughout scripture a God who passionately loves his creation and loved his creation so much, loved us so much that he was willing to send his son Jesus to die for us. And such an act made it possible for those who place their faith and trust in Jesus to live in eternal relationship with him. Jesus provided the bridge that we needed to connect once again with God after our sin in the Garden of Eden 
tells about that in the story of Genesis, broke our relationship with God. Jesus is that bridge. And when we place our faith and trust in him, that we are able to live eternally with God the Father and have the Holy Spirit live inside of us. And that's available to us because of what Jesus did on the cross. We also see throughout the Bible a God who gives us desires and helps us to fulfill them. If you read any of David's Psalms, many of them, he talks about, you know, the desires of his heart and God giving him the desires of his heart. So if we know that God is a God of love and also is a God who gives us our desires, you know, wouldn't it make sense that such a God would be okay with, you know, homosexuality, same-sex relationships? Well, there is a little bit of a catch. Um, While God loves us and is very much concerned with our personal desires and wants, what we also see in the Bible is a God who doesn't always give us what we want. Our human desires don't always line up with his will. And we see in the Bible a God of love who gives us what, not just what we want, but what is best for us according to his purposes and his will. So this God who loves us and knows what is best for us has set guidelines in place about how to do life. And he has given them to us in his word. And this includes a plan for marriage and sexuality. I want to just jump in and talk real quickly about God's plan for marriage and sexuality. I am not going to go into as much detail as I could. That could be a whole nother series of posts. But I am going to include a link to a to an, a series of articles that are really, really good on the topic of of that we're discussing as far as God's plan for sexuality on focus on the family. And so if you have an interest in hearing even more, then you can jump on um, that site and I'll provide the link for you to do that. I'm just going to be touching briefly on it for the purposes of this talk. But again, you can look more into that if you follow some the the link that I give you. Um, God designed both men and women with different biological anatomy to complement each other within the marriage relationship. Christian marriage was designed by God to display his love and glory to the world. And husbands are called to love their wives as Christ loved the church. And wives are called to submit to their husbands as the church is called to submit to Christ. Now, again, we could go into a whole nother post about submission and what that means. But both of the sexes were created equal. They were just created with different roles to fulfill. God has given the ability for man and woman within this relationship to procreate. And children benefit from being raised in a home with both a mother and father because the father brings different, um, again, just a diff- different gifts um, that he has. And a mother is also gifted in different ways and she brings different gifts into a relationship and they complement each other. And children benefit from being raised with both a mother and father. Now, understandably, we live in a, in a, in a world where it's broken is fallen and not every child has two parents within a home. If you're a single parent listening to this, this is not a message meant to beat you up. You're doing the best you can in your situation. Um, And God can work within any situation and he can bring about role models of the opposite sex that your child needs, whatever your needs are in your situation, that God looks out for those 
who are in need. So this is not to slam those who are necessarily in a single parent situation or are, I'm sorry, are in a single parent situation. What I am saying this concerning children is just to make the point that God's plan for family um, as a focus on the family article states that I'm going to provide the link for God's plan for family makes up the most basic building block of a stable and productive society. And those are their words, not mine, but I, I wanted to quote them because I believe that that is just a really um, good way of saying that when we follow God's design for family in our society, um, that it makes for very strong communities and society is impacted when we ignore his plan for family and sexuality as outlined in scripture. Now, not everyone is called to marriage in the Bible. However, individuals who never married, the apostle Paul and Jesus, for instance, were called to lives of celibacy. Um, the other part of God's plan for sex and sexuality is that sex is a gift designed to be enjoyed within the sexual, um, I'm sorry, the marriage relationship and that individuals outside of the sex the marriage are not um, to engage in in sex. Now, this may sound oppressive. This may sound outdated. But when we understand that God put boundaries in place in regards to our sexuality to protect us and live lives with the most fulfillment and purpose, we understand why it benefits us not only in terms of community, but individually when we live according to what it says, even when the way doesn't feel easy or comfortable or desirable in terms of sex outside of marriage when we truly understand that sex connects us with another person spiritually emotionally physically that it's a very strong bond it talks about in the bible how to become one in the marriage relationship when they are basically you know they enjoy the gift of sex within the marriage relationship that it bonds two individuals together when we engage in that in sex outside of the marriage relationship, then we are essentially bonding and connecting our, our bodies and our, and our souls with um, those that we're not in a covenant relationship with. And that can be very damaging and hurtful um, because it um, we are connected with people that we may never see again, maybe if it's like a one night stand or if it's just a casual relationship um, even if it's a committed relationship where you know that you want to get married eventually, it can still have a damaging effect because you're not in the um, covenant relationship of marriage and it's that which God ordained. And anytime we step outside of his bounds um, or his commands, then there are damaging um, effects. And I just want to read to you what Paul told the Corinthians. In 1 um, Corinthians 6, 12, there were some in the church um, in the Corinthian church that were engaging in sexual immorality and thought that it was perfectly fine and they didn't see anything wrong with it. And Paul told them this. He says, I have the right to do anything. He's quoting some of them, you say, but not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do anything, again, quoting them, but I will not be mastered by anything. Basically what he's saying is he was saying, you know, some of you think you have the right to do anything, but he's saying, you know, you may have the right as far as within your culture, as far as what the laws of your particular area dictate, but as a Christian, even if it's culturally acceptable, even if it doesn't go against the law, 
it's not beneficial or something you should necessarily do as a Christian. And he was trying to point out that we should conduct ourselves in a way that is beneficial for us and is that which honors God. And so while they may have had the freedom within their culture to participate in sexual immorality and no one else would have batted an eye, he was saying that they belonged to Christ. So they needed to recognize that not everything that they were free to do in their culture was beneficial for them. And we can very much take away the same principle. In our culture, it's very much acceptable and even promoted that we engage in sexual immorality, whether that be in the area of homosexuality, same-sex relationships, or whether that just be sex outside the marital union, or whether that be never getting married at all and having children out without being in a marriage, whatever that looks like, um, that's very much accepted in our culture. However, you know, and I, I also want to say our culture sort of says, you know, what we desire and want to do, that's going to bring us the freedom that we want. It's just sort of doing what we want. That's going to make us happy. However, the Bible says it different. Allowing our desires in the area of sexuality or any other area to dictate our course is that which leads to bondage and destruction. I want to just read to you Romans 6, 23, which says the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. What it's saying there is that Basically, what happens when we sin is that there are consequences. And if we are not in a relationship with Jesus Christ, then when we engage in sin, and this could be just any sin, not necessarily sexual immorality, um, that there will be a point where we will have to pay the consequences. It will bring, you know, our sin brings death into our lives and we can't live perfect lives. Um we need a savior. We need Jesus Christ because we are sinful because of what happened in the garden of Eden back when sin was introduced in the world. We are born sinful and we are born sinful creatures in need of a savior. And so without a savior, we will die in our sin. Also, if we are believers and we keep on sinning and we don't confess that, that that also will bring consequences in our lives. And you may say, well, I'm not having any consequences. I'm, you know, doing, living in such a way of, of engaging in the sexual relationship and I haven't seen any consequences. Well, whenever we engage in sexual sin or any other sin that God says not to do within his word, we may not see the consequences right away, but inside, internally, we may be dealing with shame, with guilt, with bondage. You just may feel on the inside like you're not really free and you don't know where that's coming from. I know because I lived like that for many years, um, but when we confess our sin and when we choose to follow God's ways and choose to turn from whatever it is that we're engaged in that we shouldn't be, that's where real freedom comes. And so many people say the Bible is oppressive and it seems to be so outdated and it seems to have all of these mandates that how could God you know, possibly expect us to follow them? And they are difficult and none of us will be perfect or measure up perfectly. We will all fall short and we all have fallen short. Jesus was the only perfect person who ever lived. He was a hundred percent man, a hundred percent God. He was the only perfect person who ever lived, but God isn't asking for us to be perfect. What he's asking is when we 
know that we're in sin and we come across a passage or God convicts our heart and says, okay, what you're doing isn't right. We say, God, I have strayed from your ways. We confess it and we resolve to turn from it with the help of the Holy Spirit. I want to just tell you the story. Um, I read a piece the other day and it was written by a woman who she grew up in the church But even as a young child, she had a conflict inside because she felt attracted to the same sex, even as a very young child. As a 17-year-old, she announced to her family and everyone that she was a lesbian. She immersed herself in in the lifestyle and she left the church because she knew what the Bible said about it. She knew that she couldn't be involved in this lifestyle and still go to the church she was attending. But as an adult, she felt God speaking very clearly to her that she was on a course of destruction. And she knew that she had a choice to make. And so she made that choice to leave that lifestyle behind, even though she felt like it was what was comfortable and desirable to her. So she called up her girlfriend who she was very much in love with. She did not want to break up with her. It was going to be a painful decision, but she broke up with her. And she told her, you know, I've got to pursue God. And ever since she has given that up and she is now a Christian songwriter, speaker, and author and is sharing her story everywhere. And what this young woman learned and the Bible tells us is submitting ourselves, even in the area of sexuality to his plan for relationships and marriage is that which brings freedom. When we live according to our own desires only, we will find ourselves in bondage. But when we live according to God's ways, we find freedom in life. Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30 says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You know, for many years, I read this verse and I kind of thought it was just a nice verse about how we find rest and peace when we come to Jesus. But I didn't really fully understand that taking Jesus's yoke upon us and the yoke it's talking about are those commands really yoking ourselves with him and in alignment with his word, choosing to walk his way, which is not easy. Is that which brings peace into our lives? Sin, which is the easier way, is that which brings bondage in our lives, which brings those heavy chains of guilt and shame. And we're not even sure where they come from, but they just tie us down on the inside. But when we come to Jesus and we say, Lord, I'm going to walk in your way, teach me to walk like you. And we literally take his yoke upon us, which sometimes feels very hard and heavy because his ways are hard. Like I just mentioned to you, the, the, woman in the church or who had left the church and had to call up her girlfriend and say, I'm sorry, I can't do this relationship anymore. That was a very hard step. She was very much in love with her girlfriend. She felt comfortable in that relationship, but she chose to walk a harder way. And it's peace came into her life when she decided to walk the way of Jesus. And so when we understand that, that the Bible tells us God's plan in the area of sexuality and other areas to really lead us on the path of blessing and peace and eternal life, then we realize, okay, God's just not mean God trying to prevent me from living the way I want. He's leading me in the way that is best for me and the way that will bring peace and blessing into my life. 
So let me get back to the sort of the topic at hand. How then should we approach the issue of homosexuality? Again, this, you know, as I've sort of alluded to at the beginning of this this talk, this was not an easy topic for me to talk about and write about. It was, in fact, very intimidating because I know so many in the church have approached this topic the wrong way, and I will even include myself in that batch of people. I have been at times too judgmental, or at times I've just sort of blended in with the culture. I haven't been a strong enough voice and voice my opinions because it was easier just to not really state what I thought, and neither position is right. But let me just share with you why I think we have such a difficult time with this topic is that I believe we either err on the side of truth and pound it into our loved ones and those we encounter to in an attempt to live out and uphold the standards of the Bible, or we err on the side of grace. We're so loving and accepting. We don't speak the truth because I, I believe we do that because we don't really know how we're supposed to approach it. And scripture does give us the key to how we should approach this issue. My pastor just emphasized this recently, but he said Jesus lived a life of both grace and truth. And that's John 1 14. So he never was all so much all about truth that he wasn't loving. And he was never so loving that he didn't speak the truth. He was a perfect mix of both. He never compromised God's standards, but he was also extremely compassionate with the people that he encountered and he did it perfectly. Now that is a tall order, friends, because if you've ever tried to live out both, it's hard to know sometimes, okay, do I speak the truth here? Do I just shut my mouth here? And guys, I'm still weighing that out. I'm still learning to listen to the Holy Spirit and attempting to live out both perfectly. We will never be perfect this side of heaven, but with God's help, we should attempt attempt to emulate his approach. Ephesians 4.15 tells us we are to speak the truth with love. And it's when we speak the truth with love that I believe that we are able to very much reach the people in the LGBT community that are so probably turned off by Christians right now. Um, but it's in choosing to engage the truth, uh, to engage with them with truth and grace. Um, before I wrap up, I want to say a few other points and I mentioned that this was an uncomfortable piece for me to write about and I wanted to strike the right tone but I want to share with you that this isn't a, a topic that I'm coming at from just you know as someone who has never had any experience with same-sex relationships I am not a stranger to this issue I will talk about this more next week just because for time's sake I don't have a lot of time to go into it this week but I, as a teenager, I did have some experimentation with same-sex relationships. Now, my story, which I'll be sharing about more next week, is that I experimented sexually, but it wasn't because I was attracted to the same sex. I was not a somebody, a lot of times you hear, as I, sh I shared the story earlier of the woman who announced she was a lesbian, that was not my story. I never thought I was a lesbian. I never was attracted to friends that I had. However, I had some physical relationships evolve from friendships in high school. 
it was not intentional. It wasn't planned out. It was something that I never thought I would be involved in. But I very much as a high school student was dealing with some very low feelings of worth. I did not feel like I was attractive. I didn't feel like men would be, guys would be attracted to me. And to kind of cope with some of the feelings of low self-worth, I allowed some relationships some friendships to evolve into physical relationships. And God really helped me to be free of the shame because that happened for just, you know, a brief period in my teenage years. And then I moved out of that and I wasn't involved in that as an adult. But it was a shameful, I guess, secret from my past that I had never talked about with anyone and that no one knew about other than the individual individuals I was involved with. And it was something that I honestly said, you know what, I am never going to talk about this. And I have talked about it on my blog because I feel like it was actually God who told me several years ago that I needed to start sharing openly about this. And he actually healed me from the shame. I actually went back to those individuals as an adult and said, you know what, I shouldn't have been involved in that. I'm sorry. I'm I'm a Christian. I'm making a turn in my Christian walk, going through some healing. I really felt like I needed to take that step. In the process of God sort of healing me from the shame of those choices, he revealed to me the reason why I got involved in those, which had to do with some very low self-worth. For other people, they may have some different reasons, but I needed to know that truth about myself so that I could truly be free. And that's what God does. He truly reveals the truth about ourselves. It may be different for someone else. They may be involved in a same-sex relationship for different reasons, but that's why I had the involvement that I did. And it helped me to understand a pattern of behavior of really latching onto other people that I've had for my whole life. And it looked like, you know, some physical relationships with friends when I was a teenager, but then it evolved into looking for approval from dating relationships with, with guys as I grew older. Um, it looked different the older I got, but the pattern of behavior was the same, which I'll talk about more next week. And it was really God that pointed out to me that I had a pattern of behavior because I wasn't really aware of it. It's offensive to many that Christians would suggest that we need a way out of a homosexual lifestyle or sexual sin, but we see that God tells us the truth about ourselves and our behavior so we can be free. We begin to see that the solution to helping others and ourselves is um, to open up ourselves to God's healing and truth and help others to do the same. You know what? I'm just going to say this in conclusion. It is never easy to face certain truths about our lives. The tough thing about walking with God, or maybe you're not even a Christian and you've never walked with him and you're sort of debating whether or not you want to come into a relationship with Jesus Christ. Jesus will tell you the truth about yourself, but I will tell you he does it to rescue us, not to condemn us. It says in the Bible, um, John 3.17 tells us that, jo- that Jesus didn't come to condemn the world, but rather to save. He didn't come to just say, oh, you bad people, look at what you're involved in. He's, he came to say, you know what? What you're involved in is hurting you. It's not good, but here's the way out. Proverbs 27.6 says that wounds from a friend can be trusted. And what it's saying there is that, you know, our closest friends, the people in our life that know us the, the most, they are friends only if they sometimes tell us things that we need to hear. 
And sometimes those things can hurt. But a friend isn't someone who never tells you the truth. A friend will tell the truth. And that's what God does. Our closest friends can see things we can't and they can help us kind of see our blind spots and how to change. But God's more than just a close friend. He's better than any human friend. He is our ultimate friend. And he knows truths about us that no one else can know. And he can reveal things to us that will rescue us from whatever pit that we have fallen into if we allow him to. He can show us the way out of homosexuality. He can show us the way out of any harmful behavior, whether that's an addiction, whether that's an issue with with lust or pornography or lying or some other sin. He can show us the way out if we let him. Perhaps you are in a same-sex relationship or know someone who is. Whatever drew you to listen to this program today, um, maybe it's you or maybe it's just you wanted to be more compassionate to people in homo- you know, involved in homosexuality and maybe you see, you know, see that it's an issue that you felt like you needed to hear a few you know, pointers on. I want to just say that none of us is too far gone for God to save. All of us have sin in our lives. All of us have fallen short of the glory of God in more ways than one. But God's desire is we come to him and let him make right what we cannot make right on our own. One of the things I just want to say about the story I gave of the woman who was a lesbian and decided to break up with her girlfriend and go back to God. One of the things that stuck out to me about her story is that She said, you know, God had to speak to her when she was at home. She just had started having these thoughts about her lifestyle. And she knew God was kind of pinpointing that in her and saying, you know, this is leading you down the wrong path. And you're going to basically die if you continue going down this path. And she said that God had to speak to her when she was at home because she knew she wasn't walking in the church. She knew she couldn't go there. And I think that maybe if you're listening to this and you know some things you've done, or maybe you just haven't been to church a while because you feel like, well, I just want to be accepted there. Well, just know that God doesn't expect us to clean ourselves up on our own. We come to him and we say, God, help me. And he meets us right where we are, whether you're standing in your home right now, whether you're at an office, whether you're in your car, wherever it is, you don't have to be in a church for God to come and and just meet you in your moment of need when you call out to him. Now, certainly it's very good for us to go to church. I very much encourage you to go even if you feel like you don't belong or whatever. Just be honest about where you're at. Any church that is a good Bible-believing, um, you know, have the love of God, they are going to help you in whatever place you're at, pray for you, provide support for you. Um, and I admit some churches are better at this than others, um, but God can meet you wherever you are, whether that's an office cubicle in your car, whether you're a house, wherever he meets you and what you cannot make right on your own, he can help you with so that you can live in a way that benefits him and benefits yourself. Um, because God's commands are designed to help you live in such a way that you have peace and blessing in your life. Let's just pray. Lord, I thank you for this message. I pray that, Lord, whatever it is that you want the listeners to hear, that they would hear that, and whatever it is you don't want them to hear that would just fall away. If they were just words from me, 
not meant from them, that those would just fall away and that the things that would stick in their mind would be the things that you, by the, the power of your Holy Spirit, want them to understand and know. And Lord, if there are people listening who know people that are in a same-sex lifestyle, maybe they've been too judgy with them, maybe they've been condemning, Lord, give them the steps they they need to go and maybe make some relationships right or maybe confess that they haven't approached this issue the right way. Maybe maybe they've they've written a Facebook message that has been ranting or maybe they've spoken in a way that's been harsh to coworkers. Whatever the case, Lord, give them the right steps. Or Lord, maybe they just want to know how to approach this issue and they just don't know how. Or maybe there's somebody listening today, Lord, and they are um, just feeling shame and condemnation and guilt because they've had a same-sex relationship in the past or they're they're struggling with same-sex attraction or they're in one now and they don't know how to get out or they don't know how to be free. Lord, I pray that you show them the way out. You give them hope and you help them to know that you are with them and that they are not too far gone for you to save, Lord. I thank you, Lord, for your son, Jesus Christ, that gives us the ability to come to you, to be connected with you at any time. Lord, we can call on you at any time and know that you hear. And as believers, we have that assurance, Lord. And if there are those in the room who are not believers, Lord, I just pray that they would have the courage to ask and invite your son, Jesus Christ, into their life to to thank him for the forgiveness of sins, Lord, and begin to live a life today that is in alignment with your word and your way. In Jesus' name, amen.